Well, thank you for joining me today, Helena, on this on this uh, discussion around what's happening with COP. Yeah. Um, COP26 is happening right now. We're up to, I think, day seven of the meetings. The world leaders have met, they've come, they've gone, they've laid out their plans on the table, whatever they may be, to I, intentionally the plan was really to try and see if we could um, uh, get below 1.5. So I'm really curious to know what is your take and what you've seen being put on the table and also um, what have you been hearing about what's going on around the edges from people that you know that are that are there? Well, I guess, as you know, for a very long time, we've been trying to raise awareness about the way in which structurally our big, big and biggest problem in the world is that global corporations have been gaining more and more power over our governments and with that over our worldview, over virtually every avenue of knowledge. So we're now discovering that the internet and the social media is not this uh, amazing communication tool that we thought is actually highly manipulated. And of course, the media in terms of newspapers and television are too. So for my sort of network around the world, we were already really watching this process starting in the early 90s when this whole process of globalization was taking off, which meant that trade treaties negotiated supposedly between countries bilaterally and later on in multilateral trade treaties were between countries. But actually what was going on was that by deregulating and creating a so-called free trade treaties, governments were signing on to deals that gave global corporations more and more freedom to do as they like. Mm -hmm. And that has included government signing in black and white. We won't do anything that might reduce your profit-making potential. You, foreign corporation coming into our country, can do as you like. Now, on top of it, these corporations have been telling governments what to do. Mm -hmm. And so that is, and it's not just about them coming in, but it's actually getting them to over-regulate at the local and to bring in regulations that have actually hindered the proliferation of smaller scale, more localized economies, which systemically would be by far the most effective way of massively reducing emissions mm. and simultaneously restoring biodiversity. So from that angle, we, of course, are not happy at all with the whole climate debate as it has been publicly framed, starting with Al Gore, putting it on the main sort of stream agenda and waking people up. It was already framed by someone who was in the corporate world. I've met him and I've met even, you know, more of someone in Morris Strong who worked very closely with him. And I know that this is not coming out of some conscious evil intention. It's not coming because this man is only wanting to make money, but it's coming out of assumptions about growth assumptions about GDP that are simply wrong. Mm. And yeah, so without a broader economic analysis, 
connected to a deep ecological awareness and and that needs to include an understanding of what's going on in the so-called global south or in the third world it's hard for us to realize that from the outset what Al Gore was talking about was how we the individual consumer should wake up and stop driving our cars so much and we should be reducing our energy consumption and the framing said nothing about the fact that he was advocating for giant industry to dump their populations of in the car industry or the chemical industry and even in many forms of agriculture to go off to china and india and produce where labor was cheaper so these trade treaties were facilitating that mobility of global giants to use cheap labor wherever they like and then bring the products in as freely and however they like and of course that shift led to an increase in emissions food especially being transported back and forth across the world and in the climate debate even the activists are not addressing this they keep talking about we and we should do this and we should do that and there's almost no mention of the trade treaties mm-hmm. i believe you know then on top of that our colleague camila moreno who's been at every climate summit for the last decade at every major summit she has witnessed how it's the corporations setting the agenda and seen that it's again not a question of ill will it's a question of a blindness to the fact that we should not be allowing the agenda for saving the planet for dealing with unemployment for restoring biodiversity for also trying to maintain some semblance of democracy we've got to wake up to the role of big business and we are not hearing that coming out of glasgow we're not hearing it even very much from the activists So I'm afraid that I'm coming from uh, a world where I'm not alone you know we are working with organizations that re- represent hundreds of millions particularly in the small farming world but organizations like Focus on the Global South or Grain or etc many of these organizations Via Campesina are not so well known but I'm really happy that thanks to people like you Morag we're beginning to have a communication between them and the permaculture movement and the eco village movement and I see a lot of potential for us jointly creating a wake up where we're going to start talking about the real issues and I just want to say that it can sound so big that people say yeah yeah we know corporations are running the world but let's not think about that because we can't change it but please if you do think that please be aware of just to what extent they're running the world be aware of the fact that even down at the level of local regulations it's their impact that makes your local council over police you when you want to start a project to grow healthy food or maybe sell fermented vegetables or maybe build a cob house local policing by local governments is part of this overall agenda so the over policing at the local level and the complete deregulation at the global level let's talk about that and let's see if we couldn't create a movement that understands that for 
job security, for some kind of sane future with meaningful livelihoods, some semblance of democracy, really dealing with climate. There is a systemic way forward that could be achieved so much more effectively and so much more rapidly. But it means shifting from corporate rule towards supporting and sustaining more localized, diversified production on the land, in farming, fishery, and forestry. It means supporting, shifting much more power to local communities uh, to not run their lives and their economies in any way they like, but to be free to move in an ecological and genuinely sustainable direction. Mm. And so I, what I just heard you say too was that this can happen rapidly and that that, that transition to a more local or bioregional scale, which was kind of the scale of Indigenous communities in this country too, um, maybe... We've discussed this a little bit in some of the previous conversations, but this is sort of like a snapshot summary. Um, what is the pathway or multiple pathways that you see from shifting from corporate rule to localization? What What's in between? The biggest in between is a lack of awareness. So because of the lack of awareness, because almost no one has been studying what's been going on at the global level, at the level of global negotiations. Instead, the eye, to the extent that it's been on any kind of policy or political structures, has been at the national level. So we've been thinking too locally, and we've ended up not realizing it, caught up in a charade of a left-right political mm -hmm. agenda, which has not addressed the fundamental ecological issues, but also the fundamental issues around why we have unemployment, mm -hmm. the fundamental issues around why we have an epidemic of depression and anxiety. All the fundamentals have just been skipped over into a meaningless left-right debate, and where the, the right has been posing wow. as this you know, a really powerful voice where we're going to make sure the economy grows to create jobs for you and to make your country great. And actually the entire world, left and right, have been taking us into a world where global monopolies are using every minute as we speak more energy and more resources and using fewer people. So we have this combined effect of job insecurity and massive expansion in the use of resources and energy, even as part of the Green New Deal. The big Green New Deal, watch out. It's trying to masquerade behind, still depending on increases in fossil fuels, using, um, you know, bunging up sugarcane monocultures to turn them into biomass, et cetera, et cetera. Going small, going diversified, building community, going local, even in big cities. That's a bottom-up movement that miraculously has actually accomplished quite a lot in these last 30 years. However, if that movement would even just be allowed to grow, as I said, without ridiculous policing, nonsensical policing, you would be amazed at how quickly it could grow because it answers the needs of people and nature. It makes us healthier. It makes us happier, gives us energy. So, 
Yeah, I feel very optimistic about the potential if we can unleash that wave of awareness that would lead to many more hundreds of millions of people to help either defend or rebuild the local. And, you know, again, I need to stress, it's not about retreating into some kind of prison where there's no trade, there's no communication. On the contrary, we need more communication across the world. Mm. So is there anything that you see coming out of the COP conversations that you feel, oh, this is a good thing? Well, I have to say that Zach Goldsmith is a bit of a hero of the moment right now. And he has worked with me since he was about 17. And he's a committed, committed ecologist. And he is managing to push through a bit of protection for forests. Didn't he champion that that um the the agreement for the forests with the hundred yeah. countries? That was yeah. 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 So he's he's done that, but but for me. I'm asking more of him because we, if we don't deal with this system, I'm afraid that the algorithmic accumulation of fake money mm-hmm. is driving such a destructive path that I, I'm quite sure we will put an end to it. The question is when. The question is when, how much more do we need to wake up? And having people like him in the positions that he's in gives is kind of makes me feel a bit hopeful that, there are, there's that conversation happening in that space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure that he's able to speak enough of that language inside, but I know that he knows it. And it's, I suppose for me, why I talk so much about big picture activism is that I see that both at the grassroots and inside the corporate world, inside big powerful political institutions and those players, there is just ignorance about this global system and what are the machinations and the various ways that it's managing to expand despite the fact that there's a lot of goodwill. There's a lot of, you know, for sure, the good intention of many of these corporate heads and the Bill Gateses of this world, the Al Gore, is the desire to reduce emissions for sure, but there is an inability without our help to look at the bigger picture and to realize that it's going to mean also reducing the power and the wealth of global corporations. But since the accumulation of power and wealth in the hands of global monopolies every day is benefiting fewer people, this is another very hopeful sign that this very concentration gives us more allies, potential allies, and as it were, fewer enemies. Mm. And even then, I don't necessarily want to speak about those that tiny minority as enemies, um, but I do want to say that as a structure and as an escalation of power in the hands of invisible, invisible leadership, where there's not a hope of voting, not a hope of having a voice, that is a very... I would say evil process. It's changing differently. Well, I wanted just to point to Helena to the 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 things that you have available for people to follow up on. So, um, with your organisation, Local Futures, you have a number of films that people can access through Local Futures, and you also have the 
the Local Futures Action Guide and a short film as well now. So really as part of that education process of people diving in and starting to unpack that with your local community and find a way forward, you have an enormous amount of resources can get started. Yes, and we do have a paper particularly on climate change. We have several articles and blogs specifically on that. We have several talks from our network of speakers, especially including Camila Moreno. So we have a lot of resources for anyone who's interested in this bigger picture analysis. And again, the bigger picture doesn't mean that you and I single-handedly are going to suddenly rein in Monsanto by ourselves, but it's about the intellectual awakening that I am convinced would lead to mass, mass movement building very quickly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this short snap correspondence around what's going on with COP and and how we need to think around all the issues that we're hearing at the moment. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Morag. I'm really glad for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.